Hello, hi, and a very warm welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. As we revisit some of your favourite episodes over the summer and before a little bit of a relaunch and refresh for the podcast, I wanted to share one from the vaults with you. Now, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you'll know that I've been on quite the journey when it comes to my body image, my health, my fitness, and my diet. It has been a slow process. And forcing myself to look away from everything diet culture throws at us and makes so tantalizing has been really hard work. My really, really hard work, I'm not going to lie, has been so difficult. But it is work worth doing because now I understand how to move in a way that makes me feel good. I know how to feed myself in a way that fuels my efforts and is also delicious and exciting. And I also don't equate thin or small or tiny with being happy, valid, or successful. So this conversation is from the summer of 2019, and it was probably one of the first conversations I had where some of the pennies really did start to drop in my own mind about my own relationship with food and my body and exercise. Laura Hoggins was a marketing director turned personal trainer who had not only changed her health and her body, but her mindset. And that, my friends, is the crucial element. For years and years, I bashed my body and I thought it was just about what I ate and how I moved. And it was so much more. The work really came and the changes started to be made when I was able to change the way I thought about it all. She was the first walking, talking example I had on the show of someone who had accepted they didn't feel great, taken ownership for their part in getting to that place, and then consciously worked towards steering their way out of that inertia and into a way of living that brought happiness, fulfillment, and a sense of peace and a sense of self. So that's why I want to reshare this conversation because it bears what I hope are the hallmarks of all the episodes of The Emma Gunn Show. It's authentic, it's vulnerable, it's helpful, hopefully, and also I really hope that it's inspiring. So sharing her story of turning her life around and how you can too, it's Laura Hoggins on The Emma Gunn Show. Right, so this is super exciting and also a, a, one of those podcasts where you sit down and you have a good hour's chat before you start. Yeah. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Laura Hoggins, um, Laura Biceps on social media. Yeah. <laughs> is joining me and it's so it's such a lovely sort of a reintroduction because we've met before yeah in your old life yeah and then we re-met properly at a soul cycle class a new life a new life and we met on uh bikes next to each other yeah <laughs> and suddenly realized oh yeah we know each other from before yeah so you are a personal trainer correct you are all about the positivity. You are one of life's optimists. Yeah. And the reason why I wanted to get you on the show is because um, you are somebody who is in personal training now, but that wasn't, that's not your origin story. No, not so at all. Speak. Not at all. So the context in which we met was by Emma Scott's desk yeah. in L'Oreal HQ. Correct, yeah, in, in the thick of it. It was, um, yeah, I remember very clearly where we were. It was a, it was a, an incredible place to work that, but it feels like a very distant memory mm. in my mm. life now. I feel like I've definitely, I, I learned so much from it. I absolutely loved it, but I'm in a very, very new chapter of mm. life and, and, and one that feels far more authentic to me to what, mm. what, I, what I was born to do I feel 
Okay, so that was obviously what we're going to unpick. Yeah. So you were very much, what, what, what were you doing day to day? It was very corporate. Yeah, correct. I mean, it's one of those things that when I was, when I was growing up, I mean, I'm an only child and I literally, if you speak to my, my poor parents, I did every single sports club I could do. I did judo, canoeing, football, basketball, cricket, hockey. I was in some sort of stamp collecting club, chess. Like, honestly, I, I just was, I, I lived for team sports. I just loved it. And I was a very keen footballer. And, but I didn't really like doing much that sort of the standard girl things. Mm. So like dance club and all of that. It wasn't really my jam. And I've just grown up getting my energy from other people. I loved working together with people as a team for whatever, some sort of common goal and that was always my my passion if you'd asked me well if you asked me when I was eight I was going to be a, a waitress on roller skates if you asked me when I was 15 I was going to be a physiotherapist because if I didn't make it as a professional sports player um I wanted to work within sports and I thought do you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna be a physio I'm gonna be not playing I'm gonna be in the back room stuff that would be amazing that's interesting the person who looks after the athletes there you we'll go come on to that later right yeah yeah that that refers to our previous hour conversation <laughs> but um but yeah it's um um, it was it was one of those things that that's what I was desperate to do. And then as you get to it, I sort of went through university and life took a slightly different turn. And you sort of get into the drinking culture and life's all a bit more of a party. And I just think I lost my way a little bit. And once you sort of go to, you know, graduate from university, which, by the way, I wasn't going to do. I wanted to stay and work at David Lloyd forever um, with my boyfriend that was the lifeguard who couldn't swim, which was perfect. Um, <laughs> so, you used to have a big net. <laughs> yeah, well, it was so, it was like, it was like three foot. The, it, was, it was like stand up if you're drowning. Like there was no, that was his job. Anyway, um, so at, at the time, that was, that was my life. But actually, further education was not a pressure, but it, everyone was doing it. It was very important. So I said, do you know what? I'm going to go and do business studies and marketing. Coming out of university, it's like, right, well, I need to get a marketing job somewhere. Mm. Um, my parents just happened at the time to move to the Cayman Islands um, and I was due to go with them. And I thought, no, do you know what? I'm going to stay. I'm going to get a career. So I started working for a company called Unilever, who are one oh, of the biggest, yes, yes one, of, one of the biggest and, and greatest um, companies. So I worked on brands like sort of the, the ice cream portfolio. I think Ben & Jerry's was my first one. Um, which is pretty cool after uni. I think you might um, have sent a mini fridge to my magazine back in the day. Yes, we probably <laughs> did. We probably did. We did a lot of that. Um, sort of Dove, Links, all, all of those kind of household brands. But what an incredible company for me to start my career. It was very, very corporate, a lot of structure, um, very specific roles and responsibilities. And I, and I really learned how to sort of to sort of find find my feet in a corporate responsibility so the physio was still in the back of my mind mm. but no this is what I should really do and as a woman in fitness it's really hard for you to see what that career path could look like it was it was all guys all mm. the guys that you know in teams were were men so I was thinking okay maybe that isn't for me I'll continue to pursue this and you get build loads of friends and it's quite cool isn't it when you've got your office and you have your you live for the weekends and it got to sort of five years down the line and I thought hang on a minute this isn't life and I'd broken up with my boyfriend which was absolute devastation we were together just over 10 years he was like my best friend we met when we were 15 wow. so like yeah I remember when he went on holiday once I think I cried the whole week he was there because we just <sighs> couldn't bear to be apart and anyway it was sort of like okay now I've got this new 
this new personal situation, I decided I'm going to move to the Cayman Islands to live with my parents. So Mm. the Cayman Islands, for those of you that do not know, it is just underneath Miami next to Jamaica. It couldn't be further away from, Mm. from London or Surrey where I was living at the time. And I'd got, when I moved out there, I remember I had to do a medical to um, join for the job that I was doing. So I was, I was a, um, like a work for a water sports company and they had to weigh me and it was probably the biggest shock of my life. I looked at how much I weighed and I was like, you are kidding, like when did this happen? So in my unhappiness of being stressed, so stressed at work, I'd gained so much weight and I think I was just a little bit numb to it. Mm. And I, just, I finally faced with this number that I had to give to my, to my work, well, this is how much I weigh. And if you weren't self-conscious before, you suddenly were. Mm. And I had to be on the beach all day. And I suddenly felt like an absolute house, I'll be honest. Mm. I felt so uncomfortable in my own skin. I thought, something's got to change. Otherwise, I'm just down this spiral of working too hard and I'm not prioritising myself. I'm smoking too much. Mm. I'm drinking too much. I'm partying too much. And um, although it was really fun at the time, you know, at some point I felt like, you know, I, I couldn't live this facade of life's really good and it's a party because mm. I wasn't really, you know, serving my my health or, or my wellness really. So when I was in the Cayman Islands for a year, I lost 52 pounds, exactly. I lost a pound a week, mm. very random. And that is because I suddenly had no pressure. I was living life outside on the beach. I had a load of guy mates and we just hung out on, on the beach all day and there was no worries. There was no comparison. There wasn't really any social media. It was nothing really. And I just found myself again. And I'd lost, you know, 52 pounds, whatever it was, you know, losing weight. And I really hate to associate weight loss with happiness because I don't think it was that. It was more that I had changed my lifestyle and I started mm. to to be kinder to myself. And my lifestyle was better in that before I started work, me and one of my friends, we'd do a little run down the beach. It was beautiful, down Seven Mile Beach. I was very active. I ate better. still smoked quite a lot, but, you know, <laughs> life, whatever. Um, and, yeah, I just came, I was, like, there for a year, and I said, you know what, Mum, I think I'm, I'm ready to go back. I've sort of had this escape almost, mm. and... I need to go back because career is happening without me. And actually in that year, I was very worried. Like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to halt my career. You know, what my friends think. I came back and nothing changed. Mm-hmm. I went back. Um, I went actually back to Unilever for, for a year or so because I just rang my old boss and said, can I come back? He was like, yeah, you can just do what you did before. Like a year had passed. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, when you worry, like... How old were you at this point? Um, I was mid... Uh, it was 2008, so I was mid-20s. Right. I was mid-twenties and I was like, I've had a bit of a career, but I needed, I didn't ever have that gap year. So I felt like I now I've had that escape um, and I've come back and do you know what? I feel like such a different person, just an enhanced version of me. I was, mm. I was still always the same, but I just felt like I'd had control of myself a bit better. I'd kind of let things get out of control for a bit. That's um, a lovely way of describing it, an enhanced version of myself. Yeah, I really was. I, I, like when I say I'm, I'm a new, I'm a different, but I'm not, I'm, I'm exactly the same. Yeah. But I just look, I, I prioritise myself a bit better, I'd say. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I came back and then I was like, when I was at Unilever, I was like, do you know what, I'm, I'm ready for a new challenge now. I feel so much more confident in myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a new job. And I had this interview at L'Oreal, which for me was kind of when you're working on like, 
soap detergent and and margarine you know working at l'oreal <laughs> looks a little bit like wow they all wear louboutins and wear red lipstick because i'm not sure i can do that i'm you know that's not really me and i went and i i had and this a lot of them did. <laughs> right yeah well i was kind of a, a little bit different but do you know what it really worked because there are some things about you know a lot of things about the industry that i was so passionate about like i love like um, like I've dyed my hair every single color. I, I love, you know, hair products and beauty products. And I really love the industry. And actually, um, I remember in my interview, um, they, they didn't really ask me so much about my CV. It was, they said, what do you have in your makeup bag? <laughs> and I just, I loved it because it was all about a, a feeling. It was about a passion mm. of something that they really believed in. Mm. And no matter what it was, you know, if people could talk so passionately about something that was just a, an eyeshadow, mm. I, I, I thought that was incredible. So I thought, you know what, it seems very dynamic. I think I'm going to learn a very different way of this, this corporate life. So I went to L'Oreal and I met a lot of incredible people who I still call my friends mm -hmm. uh, today, most of them. And um, yeah, I kind of finished at, at L'Oreal. I was there for about five years and um, I had a message from an amazing, amazing woman called Thea Green. Ah, Nails Inc. Exactly. So Thea Green, um, she, uh, you know, I, I don't think she'll mind me saying this. She, she sent me a message on LinkedIn saying, do you want to meet? That was it. Mm -hmm. And I replied like, hi wow hi Thea Green um <laughs> yes I would love to meet you and we went for a coffee and we had this most amazing discussion I just thought I have to work for this woman because all so far I've worked for big corporations mm. and I've, I've worked for the man that I don't know mm. and it's been amazing and I've learned a lot but this woman is doing this from nothing she's done this from scratch and she's built this empire and this brand that I love and I thought I I'd love to learn from this woman so I went and worked for Thea Green for a year and it was absolutely amazing it was it was it was stressful at times as you can imagine the industry is hugely dynamic and I loved it and it gave me the confidence to go I could do this on my own what was um what was the difference what was what was it that made it so game-changing so when you're working for Thea Green, every decision you're making is her baby. Mm. It's not the brand or, you know, the global company. It's, it's something that Thea Green, you have to sit in front of her and look her in the eye and say, I believe this is the best decision for your, for your business. This is how you should spend your money. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, in corporate, they go, imagine it was your own money. And you go, yeah, 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 cool. But it's not. <laughs> it never is. It, it's not. You kind of think, well, this will get washed away. Mm. You know, it, it's not, you know, and I... Um, Thea and I had a, an excellent professional and personal relationship and I would, I would still call her as a, a friend now. She trains at my gym sometimes. She's awesome. But I kind of saw underneath the layers and I saw what it takes to run your own business and be your own brand. And I talk a lot about the importance of resilience in the career that I do. And, and that's one of the things I think Thea has. Mm. No isn't no. If you feel very strongly about something, if you have a passion, if you have a belief, you keep going mm. until something happens. And if you really have, you know, kept going and maybe it doesn't happen, you've tried. And she has such a strong value ethos about how she wants her business to be run. I thought, well, I'm, I'm the product now. Mm. And actually for years I've wanted to be in fitness, but I've never really, I've never really looked at my body and thought you could, you could stand up confidently and, and be an amazing PT. And everyone's always said, oh, you'd be a really good coach mm. because I've always coached, you know, here and there, netball coaching or whatever. And because the way you deliver things is so different. And I've sort of gone, oh, okay. Yeah, no, sure. And then the confidence that I had at this point in my life, I thought if I don't do it now, 
I'm never going to do it. So I did it. And I said to Thea, I've loved this experience, but I'm just going to throw caution to the wind. Um, and I'm going to go and do it. And over that year that I was working for Thea, um, I decided to sort of, I guess, to put a toe in the water. And I'd got all my qualifications previously and I started taking on clients and I used to train myself in the morning. I used to go back to the gym and I used to observe the other coaches training just for experience. And I'd get to bed absolutely knackered. But And my social life took a bit of a hit, but I just wanted to get experience. And I used to PT people at the weekend. And suddenly I started to just think, do you know what, Laura, maybe this could work out for you. And I thought, I'm going to try it. So I quit, didn't have a job to go to. And there was a new boutique studio that was opening in London. And I went down, I trained there and I thought, this is really my style of training. It was got very popular. So I thought, I'm going to apply to work there. And we had a very good relationship. I went for, um, I was training there for about a month and we all got on really well. And they were like, cool, we've got auditions. I went for my audition, which I was talking for, there was about 30 people there. And I was on for just under 60 seconds. It was not the, the, the biggest of, of auditions I've ever mm. done. And, and I didn't hear anything for ages. And I was starting to get worried. I really thought it was a, a dead cert. And they said, unfortunately, there's, there's no job for you here. We didn't think you were loud enough. And I thought, that's weird. That's interesting. Loud. Mm. In under 60 seconds, you've, and you've known me for a while. I've trained with you. I've got a very good relationship with your sort of gym community. Mm. And when it came to it, I wasn't loud enough. Volume was the deciding factor. But it wasn't. That wasn't it. Mm. it you know, when you're like, okay, you've get, you get, you just, I mean, I don't know for sure, of course, but I just felt that wasn't the whole story. Mm. Anyway, it turned out there was someone else that, that got the job uh, instead of me, and that's absolutely fine and amazing. And it's actually a blessing in disguise because when one door closes, you know, the, the, perhaps the right door opens for you another time. And mm. sometimes the things that we think are for us, actually on or you see the door that's been open the whole time yes but you've been staring at the wrong door or actually the door you've been staring at wasn't necessarily most authentic but you felt that's what you had to go for and yeah. I think I think for me that style actually wasn't it was never right for me and I'm, I'm genuinely so mm. glad that happened but I was devastated at the time because I thought god I've really made you know I'm not 21 mm. I've had this sort of 10-year corporate career I've made quite a big change and the, where I thought I was going to be safe, I'm really not safe. So I felt really vulnerable at that point because not only do I not look like, you know, the, the tall size six model with the shredded abs, I don't have a job. And where I thought I would be positioned in this industry, I'd just been re rejected from. Mm. So I was really like, wow, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I just go back. And I'd always said to myself, like, I'll give myself three months, whatever, um, and see what happens. Anyway, I got a call one day. Hey. The Ministry of Sound are going to open a gym. Would you be keen? And I was like, wow. Like, I'm really into my music. Like, I've been to Ibiza like 18 times. Like, house music is, is so important to me. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is the door. And I didn't. I started off working at front of house on receptions to gain a bit of experience and, and watch the other coaches because I was very, very new. And they were amazing, the coaches I was watching. And I just kept saying to the, the person that was recruiting, I was like, I'm ready. Like, whenever you're ready, like, I'm here, audition me. Like, I really want this. Mm. I have this idea that I, I'd run this strength class and I feel really, really strongly about it because I've, I've run it in a couple of other gyms and, you know, it got, it was really good and no one really does it. And I just kept going on about this thing and it was called Lifted. And 
it was like lifted was it was actually a concept that I'd come up with when I was looking after my mum when she first so my my mum got diagnosed with breast cancer and I remember I went home to to go and hang out with mum and dad you know just sort of just spending time with her and she said to me like you've got to do this thing whatever it is like let's call it a name and that weekend I was staying with mum and dad mum was like trademark it so I went on company's house (laughs) and mum paid 50 quid for me to trademark this thing lifted and we made this little logo and everything anyway so I was like I feel so strongly about doing this because weightlifting changed my life I want to. I want to give it to other. I want to give it to other people. I have mm. this gift now. Like I, I'm. I have this relief of. Okay, I have my thing. I feel like I belong somewhere. So I want to share it. Anyway, to this day, it was actually we just celebrated nearly two years of me teaching this class called Lifted. Where we're actually recording this podcast in, in Ministry of Sound, and I've trained people for over two years here, and I've I've taught them. Some people that come to me, well, most people have never lifted a weight before, and men and women. men and women of all ages Mm. of all experience and it is the biggest honor when someone comes to me and goes I've never done it before I'm really petrified but I feel like you'll teach me and I'm Mm. like yes because I felt that and when I first started I was absolutely petrified and I was rubbish actually but I just felt like it was this thing it was like my therapy it was like my my outlet and it made me feel physically successful Mm. And that feeling of being physically successful had absolutely nothing to do with how much I weighed for the first time. Mm. And that to me was just a game changer. There's an awful lot to unpick in all of that because it is an amazing story, literally going from corporate marketing to the gym floor. Yeah. And it's, it's the fact that it's interesting, something you said at the beginning about working with a team to achieve a common goal. Yeah. And now the training that you do, you work with somebody to achieve absolutely a goal. And you, listeners, we've spoken for a little bit before this. <laughs> Sorry to keep referencing it, but you are as invested as the person. Like their win is as much a win for you, and yeah. their perhaps setback is as much of a setback for you. Like you are. Yeah, I'm in it. Yeah. Um, let's just go back a little bit into the corporate world, just because I'm interested to understand. You probably transitioned into fitness at a time when it was quite fashionable to do Correct. it. Is that right? Yeah, but it was. there was only like two studios, like boutique fitness, let's call it, because it's so hard. Like I could have been a PT at fitness first and I could have done, I could have gone down that route. But at the time, I'd just seen a shoot of opportunity in this group fitness. This is mm-hmm. like this team training, this thing that I felt I loved. Mm-hmm. And that's what I went for. But actually, I mean, there's now, I think there's over 50 boutique studios in London. It's absolutely exploded. Mm. And I feel very fortunate to be a part of it when it exploded at the mm. time because the first one was Barry's Boot Camp, really, mm. which is amazing. It was the first time I saw that was like the Beckhams and like the Kardashians were doing this thing in LA. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. It was like this dark red room. And it was just, it was a different way of doing fitness. And it was slightly trendy, as you say, but also it's brought people into fitness that weren't in it before. But I think what I'm getting at a little bit is um, people going from the safety to use inverted, to use air quotes, sorry, listeners, the safety of a corporate job or a safe job or one that has a very obvious career progression and has a salary and saying, actually, I'm going to retrain I'm guessing you retrained whilst you were still working yeah yeah it all happened at once social life went down the toilet (laughs) (laughs) and and 
basically decided to essentially become your own business in many ways to become a personal trainer. Yeah. So talk me talk to me about the decision making and when you were doing it, when you were doing the training. Yeah. Well, how you juggled it. I always worry about using the word juggled in a No, but I, I, I know I know what you mean. And it was it was really hard. I um because I was always like if you ask my mates, like in, in the peak of my party season, let's call it, I would more than likely be the person that's got the story. Like like it would be like, well, where did she end up? Or like, what happened? What did she do? Just because like if I do anything, I do, I do it with everything I have. And that, that's with, with life and, and social as well. So I was probably somewhere dancing on a speaker anyway. And I just suddenly realised I could do that or... I could use that time to invest in myself and retrain. So my social life did take quite a big hit. And so did you have to think, did you have to change the way that your brain was thinking rather than thinking about like the, the pleasure center and going, I want to have fun tonight or I want to have fun this weekend. Mm. Were you thinking for the purposes of the fun I could have in 18 months time exactly. when I could do X? Yeah. I'm going to dial it back and I'm going to do this. Exactly. So it was like instant gratification. Let's go out and get yeah. smashed or, <laughs> you know, and like sit and have a cigarette outside somewhere till 3am. Perfect. Like that was great. Do you I still used... smoke? No, not now. Not good, now. Good, good, good. I don't, but I used to. And that was like great. It was like the good times. Just, you know, sitting outside and just talking a load of rubbish with people. Not rubbish, but you know what I mean? And this time. Chatting shit is what well, they call it 100%. <laughs> I chatted a lot of shit for many years, but it was great shit at the time. Um, yeah. So I'm literally like, right, well, I could do that or I could sit and I could read about, you know, the pulmonary vein and, you know, the, the different training considerations for women or whatever, because I genuinely was, I was interested, like I was into my training and I wanted to understand more about the principles behind it. And I knew if I didn't do it now, I would never do it. And I didn't like the projection of my life continuing to be where it was because... This is something I wrote down, actually. So you must have been working for, what, four or five years before you went to the Caymans? Yes, exactly, five years, yeah. So I think it's quite an interesting... I've always felt quite guilty about the fact that if my work is repetitive, it's almost as if I go into standby mode. Yeah. And I stop... I, I stopped being lively. I can't think of a better way of uh, describing it. And I was listening to Joe Rogan on his podcast and he, yeah. just very, he just said, some people are suited to doing getting up at the same time every day, doing the same thing, getting the same train. Yeah, not me. But he was like, that to me physically makes me wither. Yeah. And it was the first time I'd actually heard somebody articulate it in that way. But I, I have to have variety. It doesn't make, doesn't make a, a, a more structured lifestyle wrong. Yeah. But it was, I remember hearing it and thinking, I wish I'd heard that 15 years ago. Because I thought, I always thought I was bad and wrong for not really finding that groove, a comfortable place or an inspiring place. I found it, I found it quite depressing when I'd have like two or three weeks where everything was exactly the same. Yeah. But I think at the time I didn't realise it was because I didn't, I didn't feel capable of doing anything else. I'd, I'd limited myself. And I think it had a, quite a strong relationship with like my, my view of myself and my body and my self-esteem because I'd gone through this horrendous breakup that literally was, it was just awful. It yeah. Because it was everything that I thought. And then I was like, okay, wow. And then you start to, 
you start to consider what what did I do wrong mm. it was it must have been me is it the way I look is it the way that I am whatever and you know females in whatever age you are I'm, you know I'm sure you can relate to okay well it must have been because I wasn't attractive enough or I wasn't thin enough and then I just went on this crusade it was like this mad revenge body like <laughs> situation of like right I'm just gonna run everywhere and you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be obsessed with like my tracker and like, oh, okay, how many calories have I burned? I'd eat absolutely nothing. And, you know, I'd just have a cigarette and a Calippo when I was in Ibiza, like as my favorite, one of my favorite stories. <laughs> like, I swear to you, every morning I'd wake up, I'd buy the Sun newspaper, a Calippo and, a, and, and take my pack of cigarettes and I'd go and sit on the beach and probably worry. I'm more upset about the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I would like, it was, I think it was, yeah, it was a good time in the newspaper. Anyway, uh, it was just one of those th- things that I just, I felt like I had had to restrict myself because I almost felt ashamed of, of 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 how I looked and I I've had such a mad relationship with myself over the years I've I don't think you could ever describe me as shy or unconfident yet under the layers mm. I've had such a challenging relationship with with my reflection because this is why you and I are friends right but it's it's almost like I've got so much life and energy to give but I gave so much that I forgot to give to myself mm. and I almost forgot I was important and I didn't realise what I wasn't doing until I was doing it. Right. And I sort of found this, oh, my God, I can actually, oh, God, I feel better. I'm, mm. I, I haven't, you know, haven't absolutely done myself in this weekend. I, I feel really good. And, and what I'm, I'm not here to say is, you know, don't drink and don't, you know, don't, any vices, whatever, don't do it. I just, I just mean that I think I did it as almost like an escape because I didn't really want to face. I was in when I was in work, I was all in. I was going for it. When I was going out, I was all in. And I didn't give myself the time to really ask myself, are so you all right? Was your sense yeah. Was your sense of identity your job title or the brand that you were working on? I don't think it was necessarily the brand. It was more maybe I was very much in the here and now and this is really important and and work was very important. You'd hear me a lot go, "Oh god, I sort of wasn't negative about it. I was like, works a lot at the moment, but it'll get better soon. And it never did mm. because I was constantly giving to it because it, it felt good to, to give to it because I felt like I was doing the right thing and I sacrificed my, myself at the same time. I call it load bearing where you just keep on, you do one task well. Yeah. So you want to go, look, what well, you think I did that well. Look at me doing this. Yeah, yeah. And case in point, doing a podcast a day every <laughs> doing a podcast every day in May. Did you? Yeah. But I suddenly but in since and with the health scare that I obviously listeners know about. Yeah. I suddenly thought, well, who was I trying to impress? And I wonder whether you were having a similar thing of again, I want I'm wondering about ego and sense of identity. And yeah. the more I can do the more you will think. Were you, was it about what other people thought of you? I, so Were you disconnected from what do I think of myself? And was that why maybe the whole not looking after yourself thing? It was, it's, it's, very, it's very weird. I, I can try and best describe this as, I never wanted public praise, but I wanted the person that I valued mm. to notice. Yes. So I, 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 was, I never wanted to be the, the award winner on the stage of the company's best employee. That, I, I found that a bit awkward. Mm. I don't like standing on the table on my birthday, but I want that one person that I really care about or I'm really inspired about to maybe just go, do you know what, that was really good. You and that was enough respect. for me. Yeah. That was enough for me. If it was someone that I, I really wanted or I really aspired to be, 
I just wanted them to be like, yeah, cool. You've done a good job there. So joining the dots, and I'm coming from a real place of love and compassion here because I feel you. Yeah. You wanted it from somebody else. You were looking for external validation because the internal validation just wasn't Wasn't switched on. No, not at all. Not at all. I, I think... It was, it was, I was, I've always just been so full of energy and full of beans. But when I really look back on myself, I looked, I looked a bit unhappy inside, I think, because, and I, I've had loads of conversations with my mum about this because she's like, I find it really difficult hearing you say that because I've always thought you were fine. I'm like, no, 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 I, I was fine, but I didn't know how much, how much better I could have felt about myself because I just, I just, sorted myself out Mm. I was always fine but it was it was constantly I think it was just I I felt so like I was such a disappointment in that relationship to that person that I just so wanted not to cheat on me to be very honest Mm. you know it was just like why you know why have you done this again it was my expectations of someone else that just so deeply hurt me and then I just blamed it all on myself and I thought well it must be must be how I look Mm. and um yeah and I think I've kind of just taken that into my into my job now in terms of you you can't you can't judge someone on on how on how they look you have no idea what someone's been through what someone's working towards and you you can't judge someone's health or wellness by how they look you have no idea what they're not showing you and I, and I mean, I mean, mental health as well. Mm. You know, on the outside, someone could look, oh my God, they look amazing, whatever. They could be going through so much. On the outside, I look fine. Inside, I was really struggling with myself mm. for no bad reason. I've had, a, I've had a very privileged and incredible upbringing of amazing friends. But just something about my relationship with myself and my body, I just didn't quite get right. And what do you think was, like, for now, if you think about that relationship, if that were to happen to you again and somebody were to cheat or to break up with you, would you be able to compartmentalise it and say, it's actually, it's not just about me. There might be elements of it. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't mean that I'm less than I was. Totally. Totally. Well, that's pleasing to hear. Yeah. Honestly, I I feel like it's it's one of those things, I look back at it and I think, I do think I wish those things I'd done differently. Because I think the way I felt about myself was probably externalized onto him as well which probably Mm. he probably found it difficult to deal with me Mm. if I wasn't feeling as that confident if Mm. that makes sense Mm. because he didn't understand why I wasn't Mm. and then he would do I I don't know it's it's hard to look back at it um it was an amazing learning but I'm I'm a little bit I think I'm a little bit dead about to to relationships and commitment now it's really hard well it's interesting you talk you use the word I think you used the word failure just now yeah or failings and I think you've got lifted. Yeah, yeah. And strength training. Yeah, yeah. And the fundamental pillar, the fundamental basis of strength training is that you break the muscle, you the muscle tears, yeah. which is well, it's not really a failure, is it? But so no, it's yeah. a break to yeah. build. Exactly. Spot on. It's a metaphor. It is a metaphor for <laughs> life. But this is a thing, and this is why I think I love, you know, fell in love with weightlifting and strength training so much, is that it teaches you so much about life that not every day you're going to be amazing. Sometimes the weight's going to feel double what it felt yesterday. Mm. But you just turn up and you give it your best anyway. And then, you know, over time, there will be a linear progression if, if, you're, if you're on the right track. And it's, you know, I think we live in a, in a day where everyone wants something now. 
and with strength training, you can't just get it now. You're mm. not just going to be strong in an hour. You know, ladies that weight lift, you're not going to get turned into the Hulk after, you know, one session. Mm. It's just that the, the, the instant, when we talk about external validation, but there is instant validation and weightlifting takes time to develop that strength mm. mentally and physically. It's interesting, isn't it? And it's like we we re-met at yeah. the Soul Cycle class, which in fitness is probably one of the closest things you're going to get to like instant gratification. Hundred percent high after forty five minutes. Yeah, I felt amazing. I was I I nearly cried during that during that climbing song. Yeah. I just cut shut my eyes out the seat. It was, it was the Miley Cyrus song. No, it was the it was the one that sounded a bit sort of emo. Oh yeah, yeah, the one at the end. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that but I know what you mean about weights. And so you now, you work with people. So you're, you're a personal trainer. Yeah. And even just sitting across from you, I think, well, I would trust you implicitly. Thank you. To work with you because I feel as though you would, you would see the backstory that Emma puts on a front, but Emma actually would like to tighten up what's going on Well, <laughs> physically. I think, I think this is the thing is that people are afraid to be a beginner. And people are afraid to show their vulnerability. And I think people look at me sometimes and think, well, she's got her shit together. I've got slightly more shit together. There's still a lot of shit not together, but it's taken me my whole life to get to this point. Mm. And this this is the thing. And how old are you now? I'm, I'm 34 now. And I'm probably only in the last couple of years. I kind of, I describe it as a relief in terms of I've spent so many years worrying about what I look like and I don't think about it now. Like, mm. I just don't... Like, for me, body confidence is not worrying about my body. I just don't. Mm. And there's things like... like obviously, um, I've just written a book and about this this journey and into weightlifting and I'm doing a lot of interviews and, and press and, and photo shoots. And, and Laura, back a few years ago, would have absolutely died doing this yeah I probably would have starved myself for two weeks before and you know I'm absolutely cool with it so what is it talk to me about that connection so is it because the fact that you don't think about it no well sometimes I do sometimes I do right I'm 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 very aware of, of my body but I I'm accepting that I'll feel sometimes better one day not so good the other day and overall I'm just cool there's there's work other things to worry about but is it is it a disconnection that quiets that negative voice or is it actually a deeper connection that means that the negative voice has no place in your head? I I'd, I'd describe it as I'm very proud of my body now. I wasn't Ooh, before yeah. because of what it can do, what it represents, the people mm. I've been able to inspire. And I'm just here going, hey, guys, to be fit and to be healthy, you don't actually have to look like whatever stereotype it is. You can look like me and I'm really cool and I'm really happy. And yes, I look a bit athletic. Yes, I've got big arms. I've got big traps. Yes, jeans are just an absolute nightmare for me. I call them leg prisons. Sometimes I have to wear... I always worry if I get invited to an event and it says no fitness clothes. I'm like, oh God, I'm going to have to put the leg prisons on. Because just, I'm, just, I'm just a very... I'm a very different... I'm a very different shape now. But I just own it and I, and I, and I love it. And, I, and I'm, I'm proud of being slightly unique you train a lot of people yeah so you see a lot of different body shapes I do and I think 
as a 41 and a half year old woman, I don't know why I keep saying 41 and a half. It just <laughs> it's very important, me, that half. It just makes me chuckle. I'm 34 and a half then. <laughs> um, it, you see lots of different body shapes. And the thing I think I'm coming round to finally is trying to appreciate my body shape. Yeah. More than my weight or more than my clothes size. Yeah. And I don't, and I have a bit of a disconnect with it because I have an hourglass, so it's boobs and ass, and I don't particularly like walking around with a body that is sort of quintessentially sexual. Why? Because I don't, because I don't want people to see sex when they look at me. I just see a gorgeous woman. But do you know what I mean? I don't want people to see tits and ass first. Yeah, I, I sort, I sort of understand. I, almost... I, don't, I don't like low. I actually don't like low cuts. I wear very high sports bras yeah just because i'd rather it just was away mine are tip prisons <laughs> you can't also you can't hide my ass or my legs it is it's like um yeah i think i i was the kardashian trend before it was a trend it's just it's always been there but i, I just yeah i see i see a lot of different shapes and for me when i was back in the day when i was in like projects like sort my body out and i'll be really happy um where I've actually found contentment and, and being proud of my body is, oh, my God, it's so different to what I thought. Mm. I thought being as small as possible and really thin was mm. really important mm. to me. Actually, what's really important to me is enjoying my bloody life, mm. you know, looking after myself. Yes, I'm quite athletic. No, I'm not very thin. But I just I'm, I'm so happy with it because I know I work hard for it. Whereas before I I didn't I didn't, didn't 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 look after my body, I I put all sorts in and around it and I shouldn't have. Do you think it's that that thing of and maybe it, I can relate to it too in my twenties and thirties you'd all, you'd always be like it would be about losing weight or about you know a certain thing. Yeah. And when I look back now that you say it, I think actually like God the trends that we used to follow to yeah. get a perfect body using yeah. air quotes are complete nonsense. Do you feel? Actually, more more now it's about being physically capable. Yes, but in a like I I I, I don't I don't want to sit here and think I don't care about what I look like. Like I I do. Aesthetics is really important. It's what other people see of me and and make judgment. But I just feel like I'm almost I've almost blocked it out. What other like if anyone looks at me a little bit funny or you know if I if I notice someone. Like I walked into a gym the other day and I walked into the weight zone. It was full of men and I picked up this massive barbell because I was doing some filming. Anyway, obviously they, they looked at me and that was fine. And probably previously I would have thought, oh my God, just get out as fast mm. as possible. But I just was fine. I was just like, really, I was just like, cool. Mm. I looked at some of the weights the guys were lifting. Half of them were doing it wrong, <laughs> really bad form. And I just thought, yeah, you have no idea, guys. <laughs> I just feel in, in such a more educated and experienced position where I know what works for me now yeah and what that looks like is very different from what I hoped it to look like um and I just I I like to celebrate you know what I look like now if somebody is listening to this and they are in a job that is quite corporate that maybe they enjoy or it doesn't actually have to be a corporate job they're in a job that maybe they enjoy but they've put something that they feel is a passion on the back burner because you said at the yeah. top of the show that you were always very sporty and active yeah. when you were a kid and then got sort of pulled into the yeah. obvious, you know, traditional sort of work life. Yeah. Um, 
what what are the what are your tips for somebody if you if someone's thinking I'm listening to this I'm le- listening to Laura yeah. and actually maybe I should give this a go yeah I, I guess I guess for me like I do not regret one second of my corporate life like I loved it and I genuinely think it's put me in such a solid foundation to be able to you know for me to pursue this this entrepreneurial career that that I have done because I understand how things work Mm. so I've kind of seen the other side of it so I, I think it's great but I genuinely believe that if there is something you feel so strongly about there is absolutely no reason why you shouldn't pursue it and and it doesn't mean you have to put yourself in a in a you know really unsafe position. Find make a plan that set yeah, yeah financially. I mean because I I really from from my perspective I really understand what it feels like to go from ten years of having a salary you know exactly what's coming mm-hmm. in pretty mm-hmm. much, and suddenly you have no idea. <clears throat> and honestly, I was terrified, and I still find it challenging at times because of you know various cash flow circumstances and being a freelancer. Just it's not as obvious, but I I I feel like. Make make a make a list. Write it down. What what is your purpose? What is your passion? And then start to write yourself a plan of how would I go about it. And I just feel like there's so many people in life that go, oh, I've always wanted to do, blah, 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 but they've never done it. Mm-hmm. You you and I are out here. We're the people that have done it. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I just mean it's possible. Mm. And I honestly am sat, sat here today, like I'm uh, you know very very happy in what I do. I have a, I have a book, I have a podcast, all these opportunities. I could never have guessed that I had done. And I genuinely believe because I had this passion, I stuck to my, my vibe, my authenticity and my tribe have have found me as your Mm. tribe have, have found you. And you will never know if you don't try the, the, the fear of failure stops us from doing so much in life. If we believe we have one life why not give it a go? And if it doesn't work out, hey, do you know what? That's cool. The fear of failure is... Be, be more fearful of not trying, I would say. Mm. Because you'll live the rest of your life wondering what if. And there'll be people out there that could be inspired what you do. Mm. And you're perhaps, you know, stopping that from happening. Yeah. Like like you shared, you know, that the impact of the work that you do, it could have an impact, a big, big impact on one person that could change their life. Mm. Well, that's the point is I think sometimes we can get really, you and I are both on social media and numbers are important. We're both close enough to the media to know how important numbers are. But I definitely try to put that to the back of my mind because it's, I would rather, yeah, I would, I would rather be authentic than chase numbers and you're definitely the same. Yeah. I I appreciate how the industry operates, Mm, but I, but I would, I would, I would hope that I would never do anything that I didn't truly believe in. Mm. I wouldn't promote, represent anything that I didn't use, like, love, whatever. It's just, it's just not worth it for me. I, I left a, a fantastic job with, with, a, with a great salary to the complete unknown. And for me, I've come too far to, to go back to working for the man again. Yeah, I, to I, compromise. Yeah, I, I, I feel like this, this is it now. And people will come to me, you know, whenever... The, the time's right because they realise that whatever it is I am saying, I truly mean. Yeah, you live by it. One hundred percent. So, yeah, you're you've got as you say you've got a podcast, you've got a book. Yeah, people must come to you 
And it's very dazzling when people start going, hey, how would you like to talk about this? Insert random product here. Correct. I just always say, no, thank you. But it's difficult when it's difficult when you see other people taking those opportunities yeah. and knowing that they're probably paying their rent or their mortgage. Yeah. Um, do you ever fall into the comparison trap on social? Um, I think it, you wouldn't be human um, if you didn't. I, I think, you know, in any sort of job, you, you are aware of your surroundings um, in order to understand, you know, sometimes the direction that you could go in. It's important to know what does mm. what does the marketplace look like at the moment? Where do I fit in? Um, and sometimes I don't fit in. And perhaps at the start, I really thought, you know, can I adapt how I am mm. to, to better please an audience? I, I, I did think I'd have to do that. Um, I remember at the start... I. I was slightly advised, you know, perhaps maybe you shouldn't post as much of you lifting really heavy on your Instagram. And I was like, really? Wow, I'm not sure. Mm. Like, well, you don't want to scare people off because, you know, my 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 purpose, I, I believe, is to try and, as I said, to fly a flag to say, you know, when I did this, I, I felt amazing. And mm. I have so many people around me that can, can relate and share that, that story. And I thought, I could do the what everyone else is doing. Yeah, I could. I could just fall into the, the crowd. Or I could just continue doing this weird thing. And actually, it turns out it's not so weird. Mm. And, and sort of my area is, is full of some absolutely incredible people. Mm. It's full of a lot of bullshit as well. <laughs> a, a hell of a lot. And I could, I could sit here and moan about it. Mm. God, I can't believe what so-and-so posted. God, that, that workout's wrong. Mm. Why are you claiming those results? Or... I could just focus on my own audience, mm. make sure that my message is complete, correct, and and you know as I would as I would keep it in line with my my values, mm. and just let them crack on. Oprah said that when and we it's always important to quote Oprah that Obviously. when she was doing her um, talk show originally yeah. the show that all the other networks started to produce shows in the same slot similar kind of content and her producers are saying to her, Oprah, you've got to go and watch, you've got to see what they're doing. She said, if I spend an hour watching that show, that's an hour I could have spent on my content. Exactly. I will slow down. It's like, imagine running a race. You're running a race and you're in front, which Oprah was, and you want to see where everyone else is. What happens if you look to the side? You're going to slow down. Yeah. You're not going to run straight towards your goal. Totally. And, you know, sometimes you look around and you might go, hmm, that looks quite similar to what I had done. But you have no idea where that idea came from. Mm. And quite frankly, I didn't invent fitness. So who am I to say that that person, you know, shouldn't do... Like, if if it's supporting my message, fantastic. Yeah. The, the wider, the better the message. We should all be trying to make our best contribution. And, you know, like, not everyone will like my message, and that's really cool. Not everyone has to do what I do. You didn't um, invent fitness, but you did invent lifted. <laughs> well, I did, but, I'm, you know, there's millions of, of people and, you know, others that have their version before me. It's just it's just something that, that they have their thing, but no one can deliver it like I can. Mm. And, and, and for me, I'm, I'm very confident in my, in my coaching that if you come to a session with me or, or I train you, 
you'll you'll realize what that unique mm. delivery is that you you won't get anywhere else because it's me what is it for, for me it's I've, I've been through it I understand and like you were saying earlier you must get so many different shapes and sizes and I do as a female in fitness and with my journey I do have this strong affinity to women and mm. I can look at someone and I can see how they're standing how they're holding themselves mm. their behavior that perhaps they don't feel so confident in a gym environment and that was me Mm. And I just want to be that person that goes, this is going to be fine. Mm. You know, you're here. This is this is going to be a great experience. You're very capable. Do not compare yourself to anyone else because this is your journey mm. and we're going to start this together. And I want to try and educate and give people the tools to go off and, and, and smash their day. Like, they're with me for an hour. Mm. And in the grand scheme of someone's day, an hour is a hell of a lot of time. Mm. So I need to make sure I'm setting them up for success and it should be the best hour of their day. And that's so important to me because mm. I didn't have that. And now I want to give it to other people. And it's it's not in a, I'm not here to deliver torture. I'm here to support you. I'm going to give you a bit of what you need, mm. a bit of what you want. I'm going to make you, you know, you leave the room that little bit stronger because life's really stressful. So I'm not here to beat you up. And that's, yeah. And that's um, speaking to your character. We were talking before listeners about, um, the fact that we've both fallen into the trap previously of making sure other people are okay before we make sure we're okay. Yeah. So I wonder when you're... Were, I mean, I, that definitely happened to me, to my judgment. We, it happened to you. You were the yeah. person who was a, a real giver and perhaps wasn't getting back from the people you were giving to what Absolutely, you wanted. Yeah. And I can totally relate to that. And I wonder how you are able to give to your clients and... Um, and be there with them, like really champion them, but be boundaried so that you don't stop giving to yourself. Like is that now that you do it professionally, that must yeah. be a, a skill that's really important for you to be able to articulate and master. Absolutely. And I think I've I've had to learn it over a long period of time, if I'm very honest. And there are times where I think, oh, do you know what? I've I've really I've not left anything for myself. Mm. And I think when you, you first go freelance, you, you, you go on your own, there is this ability to just go yes to everything mm. because I I wanted to you know everything was an opportunity to me and I was willing to put the work in mm. but what I didn't realize was there was only so long I could have done that for and that level of sustainability of just purely giving gets you to quite a, a dead end mm. and I'm now I'd I'd like to say I could probably be better I'm very good at prioritizing my own time and my own training mm. Um, because it's really important. I have to have to be the best coach I can be and to be able to give well to other people, I need to have given a little bit to myself. And I'm I'm quite regimented with my training. Like I'm sure social media makes it look like I train all hours of the day because I'm I'm always in the gym. But you know, I'll I'll probably do something for an hour a day, mm. which is purely for me, um, at all sorts of different intensities. And that's so important because I'll spend the rest of the time you know, doing work or it's also uh, since my mum was unwell, I made this promise to myself that every time I'd look at my phone, as you can imagine, you look mm. at your phone, 500 million things going on in there that you've not gone mm. back to. I would f first of all check my the message from my mum. Mm. That, that's my priority. So I'd look and I'd check her message, but I'd reply to her first, then to some of my friends and then the rest of it. Mm. So I think it's just about setting, uh, we've talked about this previous to, to, to recording, but setting your own boundaries 
And sometimes those boundaries get crossed. That's okay. I'm aware of it. And I just, I do better next time. Mm. And is it also a practice of almost, you've said it uh, again, nearer the top of the show about writing down a list and sort of putting down what you want life to look like or what you want your situation to look like. And when it comes to priorities like I've I've had to write down recently will make will have a minimum of two meetings with mates because I stop I stopped doing I've yeah. really been bad with being social yeah, and meeting same. my friends same so I'm like right every week there's got to be a minimum of two two dates friend dates yeah 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 where you actually have these relationships and they're not on social media and it's not because you liked their posts 100% no I know I, I feel it as well like even when I hang out with my mates that like aren't like in the industry or, or gym mates, it's so refreshing and I'm so mm. pleased that I've done it because it, unless you're in the bubble, you don't see the importance of what I'm doing. Like, I'm not, I've really got to film this warm up today. <laughs> and my mate's like, do you, do you really have to? And I'm like, no, actually you're right. It just gives you that perspective. Yeah. And I do constantly say to myself, you know, I, I, my mates, if, you know, if they listen to this, they'll go, yeah, she's been saying that for a while now. That I go, I need to be more social. I need to, you know, go out and you know, meet some, some new people because it's really important. And I've had sort of last year, I was like, right, I've absolutely nailed myself for two years. I've worked my absolute socks off, all for really positive reasons. Mm. But I was like, right, that's it. My mates are going to New York. I'm going to New York. So me and and three girlfriends, we went to New York and went to Soho House on New Year's Eve and I was absolutely chaos. I think I was on the floor. Uh, As as midnight struck, (laughs) I was probably horizontal somewhere, but it was brilliant. And it's just, it's so important, isn't it, to to separate sometimes your work from real life and just have a release. Are you good then at because you have achieved a lot. You've switched careers. Yeah. It was a gamble. Huge. And it's going well. It is. And there have been a lot of achievements along the way. Yeah. Are you good at noting them or do you go tick right next one? Yeah, I think I'm tick next one. Mm. I am quite, I would describe it as relentless. Mm. I know so badly what I want. Mm. And I will I will go, not not in a bad way. It's not like I'll tread over, I'm very, very considerate, I would hope, of other no, people. No, very much so, listeners. And, and, I would, and I would always like to, so I always say, if someone gives me a little, I'll, I'll give them double back mm. because I want to take people up with me because I remember how hard it was to start and someone gave me an opportunity. So if anyone ever, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm usually very good at responding to DMs. I get a lot of questions. How do you get into the industry and whatever? Because it can seem very, very daunting. And, you know, it's it's important to, to consider others, but focus on what is your goal? Because I've made this big change. Mm. So I'm just going to see where it takes me. You're going to see where it takes you, but you focused on a big goal. And then you see where it takes you. But is there not, are there not like some plans? Because um, it's, it's like going from a rigid goal to then going, and now I shall see where the wind blows me. Yeah, it's like the, the goal's the same. The method, I'm not so sure. Because mm. like it's, for example, like for example, soon hopefully I'll I'll be launching some workouts on a digital platform, which will enable me to deliver my message and 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 my an experience of me to more people. I guess that that's my my goal to be as available as possible. And there's only one me, so it's finding different ways in which I can share my message, mm. which I so passionately believe has changed my life, mm. and I can see it with other people. Like I'm like that's how I felt. Please let me help. Please let me tell you. Please mm. let me help you. And I'm not saying I can help everyone, but there are some people that, you know, if you work with me for a little bit or, you know, even like 
some people say that have read my book that I, I just think so differently about myself and fitness now. And everyone gets so fixated on they, I have to be a certain thing or I'll be happy when, and I'll be happy when isn't a body shape. It's not a size. Mm. It's not that I I can tell you it's not, there's other things that you need to, Mm. to work on. And then you start to look more positively on yourself. And the message is just to be really clear, it's weight, it's lifting. For me, it is. And, it, you know, what I'm not saying is that everyone needs to go and, and, and lift weights. But what I will say is that once you do it, you'll love it. If you have a good experience mm-hmm. of doing it, there's nothing that feels more empowering than to press something over your head that you didn't think you could or or getting on a barbell for the first time and, and, and lifting something. Because in that moment, all you're thinking about is lifting the weight. You're, you're, you work in your breath, your body feels so powerful and you start to realise, oh, wow, I, I did that. Mm-hmm. I didn't see myself as physically successful because I actually think I'm a little bit overweight and I haven't been to the gym in ages. Mm-hmm. But actually now, you know, I'm, I'm doing this training and Jesus, I'm I'm strong. Yeah. And if I can lift that, well, I'm going to go to this meeting with a bit more beans now and I'm going to stand up for myself and I'm mm. going to be more present in the room. And it just has this domino effect on the rest of your life because I've invested in me. I've built strong foundations. I can stand up nice and tall and say, I have a purpose here and mm. I have an opinion and I belong. Have you read Henry Rollins' essay about weights? No. I'm going to find it for you. And listeners, I'll put it in the show notes. So you are sharing your message. And one of the ways in which you are doing this is the book. Yes, so I know. How did you, And you're so giddy and excited about Yeah, that. it's so mad. It's so mad because I never thought, if, honestly, I never thought I'd write a book. And it wasn't something, I'm so relentless with some things, but I never considered, oh, maybe write a book. Mm. And I was very fortunate that I trained uh, two lovely, lovely ladies at Penguin um, I didn't realise they worked at Penguin because I just see everyone in first name and, you know, Julia and Emily from the gym mm. and I'm just focused on their training. And, you know, one day we had this conversation. It's like, oh, you know, you know, we work for Penguin and you're quite different in your delivery of and how you work with people. It's not over, you know, you don't beast people. It's not about lifting the heaviest always. It's about effort. And that's a bit different to the narrative that, we, that we've perhaps heard about gym and fitness, which is no pain, no gain and go on this five million hour diet and you'll be thin so it was like okay well yeah maybe it is a bit different so I wrote a concept and I I didn't realize how much I loved writing because I'd kind of gone from this office job you know typing typing away I was suddenly freed from it and all I had was my all I have is my phone I've had years of carting around a bloody laptop and folders and all that shit now my life is just my phone and I'm standing up and I'm free in a big room all the time. It yeah. feels amazing. And now I was sat down again writing and I had everyone, without sounding big headed, everyone always says I have a very good way with words and how I describe something. And Don't be big headed. You have to celebrate the things yeah, yeah, that you yeah, have but, strengths at. Okay. I am quite good at writing. I'm giving her the face. <laughs> yeah, you can't see this, but I've, I've got big eyes at me. Um, <laughs> I'm quite good at writing and I, I, I like describing you know, the things I'm passionate about. So I wrote this concept and I suddenly became like my biggest advocate of like, oh my God, I really want to write this book. And I just got so excited about the opportunity of doing it. And I wrote about 40,000 words and I wrote it over a period of say three or four months. And it was one of those things where you have that conversation, they go, how long do you need to write the book? And I go, well, 
I don't know. <laughs> How long do people usually take? You know, I'm not JK Rowling. I've never done this before. Mm. And some days I wrote 3,000 words. Some days I wrote none. Mm. And it was really an emotional roller coaster because you're piecing together these fictional chapters of your life. And sometimes I'd be writing at 3 a.m. because that's just when I, mm. I, ha- I woke up and I was like, I have to write about this now. So what's the structure of the book? Is it autobiographical with your story? And... Some, yeah, so some parts. So at the start, it's more around around me and kind of setting context of why I'm about to tell you why I think this is, you should know about this because I've been there, I've done that, I've done all the diets, I wanted to be really thin and actually didn't find happiness there. And, it, you know, parts of it are, well, it's all very, very, I'm very, very honest. Mm. Um, but it, some of it's quite funny, you know, because we do, you know, everyone's like, oh, the kale diet. I'm like, okay, great. You know, I've done it, but and I laugh at it now. And it's mad. And why do you do these things? Because we, we, we go into these weird trends because we think it'll help. And then it kind of goes through to what I like to call, it's like my 10 commandments for life and I talk about these in great detail and it's things like one of the th- one of the ones I feel most passionately about is thou must never compare mm. because that really is useless because you and I sat here together I mean Emma and I we get on really well <laughs> I feel like we're, we're weirdly put together by the universe we have so much in common but we're so different mm. And if I was to compare anything to you, like it just it just wouldn't work. If we were to train the same, we would eat. We mm. just we would look very different. Mm. Our careers are very different, and I just think that really limits people, and it's a waste of time. Like like mm. Oprah said, and I so I go through all these sort of the training fundamentals, and then it's almost a bit of an education around whatever your goal is, whether that's aesthetic, whether it's performance, whatever it is, no judgment. You know, if you want to lose weight and tone up, like, hey, I'm here for it. Like, mm. that, that's cool. Um, if it's in the pursuit of health and, and wellness, I just wanted to show you how to do it in a sustainable way. Mm. Because there's a lot of bullshit out there about how to achieve something in seven days or 14 days or whatever. And I've been training my whole, my whole life, really. Mm. And it's not about getting to a certain weight or a certain size. It's about feeding yourself with the right nutrition to make you live your best life. And as soon as you start to become more active, you start bringing weight training in, I swear to you, your, your, whole, your whole outlook mm. on life will change because you're giving to yourself, you're investing. And that time could be doing Zumba. You could be like, do you know what, Laura? I really like hiking or swimming. And I'd be like, that's awesome. Find something you're, you mm. love. Because I've spent years going, I have to go to the gym to go on the cross trainer for an hour because it'll burn 500 calories and I had a croissant this morning. Like, how relatable is that? We've all been Mm. there. Or how about you just focus on nutrition that will make you feel good and exercise that will be good for your headspace Mm. and good for your body? Not all exercise has to be absolutely killing yourself. So it's about sharing an education around what are the options? What could Mm. I do? And find what works for you. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but most of my responses to any health and fitness questions are, well, it depends. Yeah. Because it's, I don't, I need to have a full assessment of the individual and what's your lifestyle mm. like? So, you know, do I believe that doing HIIT training five times a week for John, who is stressed to his eyeballs working in the city and gets three hours sleep a night? No. Mm. Maybe John just needs to go for a walk, a long walk for, you know, an hour. Mm. And that could make him feel better. Maybe John doesn't eat anything till 5pm because work's so stressful. 
or maybe just these small things of having that awareness and introduce it into your lifestyle could make a big change. I must admit, um, back in the day, I would hammer the gym. And um, I did do weights, but predominantly my thing that I've always been much more capable at has been endurance. Right. And recently, in the last few years, like when I went through depression and I literally lost all my fitness and I went from running to walking was challenging. Like I'd go for a 10-minute walk and it would completely whack me out. I'm really proud of the fact that I'm back up to running again. I love the fact that I can suit up, (laughs) up, put my trainers on, lace up, go out the door and I can do a run amazing but then what I do now that I never used to do and I guess this is something that comes with age because you can only know once you've had experiences yeah but this morning I woke up I've had a very very busy week and I knew that we were seeing each other I was at something before we we saw each other today and but I woke up really early and that my brain's instantly going up early get out get out get out and I thought actually no what I need to do today is I need to stretch yeah perfect and then I need to sit in bed and watch Southern Charm. But <laughs> perfect. <laughs> but what I need to do today, and I listen far more. So even though I think I always think of weekends as, oh, they're your free mornings. That's when you can go for longer runs. Sometimes I'll just put a fitness DVD on or like you know um, something on YouTube and do weights. Yeah. Got a set of five kilogram weights perfect. in my flat and a ten k kettlebell, and I do that. And I I now now understand well because I'm you need a bit of strength today. And actually, if yeah. you go for a run, you might weigh yourself out and it might be a bit, you know what I mean? It's 100%. It's listening. And yeah. I think it's taken me a long time to get to that point. It sounds that that's what you do with your training and what's obviously in the book is yeah. be more intuitive. Sometimes less is more. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard for us to accept that because we're on the go, especially us in our lifestyle. It's like, oh, I, I need to do this and the big endorphin high. And, you know, mm-hmm. we talked about cell cycle, which is amazing. Yeah. But it's just exercises a stress on your body. Mm-hmm. If you're already stressed, you're adding additional stress mm-hmm. and you're not giving yourself that time to recover. You could actually be you know, there could be negative um, mm. effects of, of that. And if that continues over a sustained period of time, you you may lead, lead to burnout. Mm. Then you're no good to anyone. So I, I guess, you know, f- for me in my training, I have gone through periods where I have tr- really, really trained hard because it felt good for my head at the time, but wasn't good for my body. Mm. And then I'm in the stage now where I do have... I'm not always that motivated to train, I'll be honest, because life's pretty stressful sometimes and I don't get that great sleep if I've been working late and up early the next mm-hmm. day. I have I have the understanding through a lot of trial and error of when to give it a miss or when to go, come on, girl, mm-hmm. just give it. And, and also, if I am in that, come on, girl, just turn up, I also say to myself, maybe we just give it 70% today. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool. So I'm having a very positive conversation with myself about what I believe is right for me. Mm. Whereas before it was a, no matter what, you just need to do it. And if I didn't do it, oh Mm. my God, I'd beat myself up for it. I wasn't setting myself up for success. I gave myself no leeway. It was like a project. I was like my own worst project that I never wanted to do. It was like, oh my God, you have to go for a run. I'd come home from work. But the last thing I want to do is go for a run. And I just, I didn't, I didn't intuitively know when to just give it a bloody rest yeah because I think I used to think the opposite of going for a run well not the opposite but like the the non-stressful option alternative to not going for to going for a run was sitting and watching tv great and that well no (laughs) for me personally I think become a bit sedentary actually then it's like doing a 45 minute 
yoga thing in front of the TV yeah. or just yeah. doing something, whether yeah. it's a yoga video or you just, we know what basic stretches are. Hold yeah. them for a few minutes each time and just yeah. unwind. Definitely. It's really interesting. So the book is called? It's called Lift Yourself and it is out, well, it's available for pre-order now, but it is out on the 25th of July um, and it is available on, on Amazon. This will be out, this podcast will go live when it's available. Amazing. Which will be incredible. And the other thing um, about all of this is I've really noticed a change in the conversation that's very, very pleasing. So recently I had Alex Light on, who I think you might know. Yeah who talks about body positivity. Yeah. And then this week I've also interviewed Ian Hayes, the chef. Yeah. And we talked about his book, which is Seven Day Basket. Um, listeners will have already heard the show with him. Got you. And it was the first time I've picked up a cookbook in a long while where my want out of that book was weight loss. It was the first time where the way that it was... Or, you know, uh, or, yeah, yeah, basically weight loss. It was the first time I was looking at a book and actually thinking about how I would enjoy a meal. Right. Because there was so much guilt associated with yeah. food and enjoying certain types of food. Yeah. And I was, and I read it and I w w was reading the introduction and just how it's formulated and structured. And I thought, nothing's off limits here. Nothing's off limits. I'm, I can have all of this. Yeah. And that was, again, to what you were saying about nourishing yourself yeah, and listening to yourself and what you need. And that, that I felt really, I felt really, that felt really lovely. Yeah, but to it's... To think I'm not being deprived or I'm not, I'm not choosing to live a life where I deprive myself. Yeah, I'm, but it's not excess. And, and that's where it comes with a bit of, of trial and error is that once you find, again, it sounds pretty cheesy, but it's a, it's a balancing act. Everything is in life that you... If the, the more sometimes you tell yourself you can't do it, the more perhaps you want to do it. So mm. if, if you just allow yourself these things that aren't the end of the world and you're focusing more on being good to yourself, what that looks like, mm. that's, that's for you to decide. Mm. For no one else. You're in control. What a lovely message on which to end. Laura, thank you so much. Obviously, the links to you, uh, the podcast, the book... All the other flipping things that you do. Train, are... Where you can train with me around. <laughs> exactly. Um, are going to be in the show notes. Listeners, I'm going to make her take me into Ministry of Sound. 100%. Because I never was cool enough to go back in the late 90s. And so I feel you're like... Cool, you're cool now. <laughs> She's very cool. <laughs> so I feel like I just want to go and see what it's like when it's empty, which is probably when I would enjoy it the most because I'm not that much of a, <laughs> a raver. Um, thank you so much. It really has been a pleasure to chat. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I do hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate your time hugely. If you did enjoy it and you never want to miss an episode, then please do hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's also where you get the opportunity to leave a five-star review and a rating for how you feel about the show. And I'd be so grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving one. If you want to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If you fancy chatting to me and thousands of other fellow listeners of the podcast, then click the link to join the Facebook forum. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. You have to answer a couple of questions, but we cannot wait to see you there. Come over and join the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one. <laughs>